Father, thank you. We thank you because your love is strong, your love is great. Thank you because we are granted again and again a deep revelation of your love for us and all that it means to be loved by you. We thank you for this insight. We thank you for the things you showed to us this morning and the things you've been showing unto us. Thank you because our eyes are opening to see the truth, to see these things, and we're being changed and transformed in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so Psalm 110, the very first verse of Psalm 110. Very clear, very powerful. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord said to my Lord. Of course, we know here this is the Father talking to Jesus Christ. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, the beauty of what we're learning this morning, like I said while praying, it's, it's you know, how great and how awesome the love that God has for us is. Everybody knows that Jesus is the exalted one. And then we're going to see a couple of verses that enforce that's somewhere in our minds. But this for me is text and it's key because this revelation given to David right here, we see running through many places in the Bible, Jesus is at the right hand of God. We all know that. We don't argue with it. I mean, last weekend, all over the world, everyone was talking about, you know, resurrection. All right. So, hey, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, if he's seated there, how does it affect us? If he's seated there, how does it affect you? How does it affect me? How does it affect my situation, my circumstances, my challenges? How does Jesus sitting down affect me? All right. Um, if, if, I, if I told you right now that, how many of you like, you know, you're excited when you hear someone close to you just gave birth, you know, got a new baby, everybody's happy. So if I told you right now, hey, hey, guys, I have good news. And I'm like, hey, what? I said, oh, Melinda just got a baby this morning. It's good news, but. Who's Melinda? All right? So it's good news for whoever that is, but it doesn't connect with me, so I'm not excited. But then if, if it's your kid sister, your cousin, your niece, then, then you're happy because it connects. So very many times, you know, when we read the Bible, we have two options. Either just see it as a Bible story, or we're able to see ourselves in it. If it doesn't connect, it's just one of those things. I mean, last Sunday we learned about Abraham and now that, you know, Abraham's blessings are ours and we're connected as children of Abraham and all of that. If, 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 you know, if you don't see that connection, somewhere in your mind, you're just happy for the guy called Abraham and then you're happy for his kids, Isaac, you know, Jacob, you know, Joseph, you're happy for them. But then you now realize, no, I'm in that family somehow through the work of Jesus Christ then each time you hear the name Abraham, something happens to you. Something happens. And I still want to run a series on that because it's clear. We, we are the descendants of Abraham. We are the children of Abraham. And it affects us. Let me digress a little bit. Maybe not digression. Let me, you know, join this point I'm making right now. Where? Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, 15. So Jesus goes into the synagogue and then he's ministering like he normally would. 
and suddenly he finds a woman you know bent over and she's been in that condition let's try what now maybe verse 12 so read it in context uh, all right it says and when jesus saw her he called her to himself and said woman you are context verse 10 let's see all right thank you and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the sabbath verse 11 and behold there was a woman which had the spirit of infirmity for how long 18 years and she was bowed together and could in no way lift herself up so she's been in that condition 18 straight years and this i'm about to share with you is a very very powerful revelation as simple as it is all right so she's been in this condition 18 years verse 13 now please and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified god okay and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that jesus had healed on the sabbath day and said unto the people there are six days in which men ought to work in them therefore come and be healed all right i mean he's not even happy that someone got healed he's still fussing over what day of the week it was then the lord answered and said to him you hypocrite do not each one of you on the sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering so and, and this is interesting jesus just got somebody healed right and jesus is comparing healing the person to you giving water to your animal so everybody drinks water every day everybody gives water to their creatures if you have any every day god is saying healing should be that easy that's god's desire it's like giving water to anybody it's but let's keep going on i mean you do that to your animals every day right you don't see that's work and this is the revelation for me he said and ought not this woman being a daughter who now abraham i mean she's not the immediate descendant of abraham this is like thousands of years after abraham but because she's jew right so he says ought not this woman being a daughter of abraham whom satan had bound lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the sabbath day so she has a right to be free from the bondage and a major reason is because she's somebody's daughter and that verse for me tells me because i'm abraham's child there are some bondages i don't expect in my life and when the devil tries to bring them i can fight them off why i'm a child of abraham so i also went there to show you and that's why when i said digression i said no it helps to buttress the point she got healed because she was a daughter of abraham she got healed because she was a daughter of abraham and i remember i was explaining last week that the only reason why isaac was blessed was because he was who child of abraham the only reason why jacob was blessed was because child of abraham joseph child of abraham god kept on blessing them and will always say to them i'm the god of your father abraham i'm the god of your father isaac so i'm blessing you not because you're good but because of the person i made a promise to then we now are the descendants of abraham the spiritual descendants of abraham so i can step into the same blessing i can step into the same promise and say this thing belongs to me this is where the fight of faith comes in i know this is my right in christ because i'm a descendant of abraham and i say hey it's mine is this is this clear we seem to like get drowned in it as it were and you know dig into it till we say hey i'm i'm, I'm the seed of abraham i'm blessed coming in i'm blessed going out it's so interesting 
Even Ishmael that was born by Abraham was blessed by God. Anything connected to Abraham just gets blessed. Isn't that amazing? And then you and I are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. It means I'm expected to be blessed. But then we wake up every day, oh God, I just hope you're going to bless me. Oh no, it's too late. That prayer is too late. It's too, you're too late. You say, but if I'm blessed, why are bad things happening to me? If Joseph was blessed, how come he ended up in the pit? If he was blessed, how come he ended up as a slave? If he was blessed, how come he ended up in prison? It's not where you end up that matters. It's how you're going to get out. You're getting out by the blessing. Because the blessing is on you, that situation cannot last. You're going to come out of it because of the blessing. There will be challenges. But because I am blessed, because, because I know who I am, I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed. And that's why a revelation like this for me is so interesting. So Abraham stops becoming just that name in the Bible. Abraham now becomes someone I'm connected to. Maybe someone in your family, someone in your lineage. I mean, even when you go to see the doctor, the doctor wants to know your family history. You know, the doctor finds out maybe you're diabetic and wants to know, is anybody in your family diabetic? He wants to run through your family history. The Bible is your family history. It gives you a record of all the people in your family, how blessed they were. See David. David was that little boy in the backside of the desert or the bush behind the house somewhere, giving food to sheep. But then the anointing of God came upon him and became the greatest king of Israel. That means when God's blessing, when God's anointing rests upon a man, no matter who you are, where you are, it takes you to the top, straight to the top. Not because it might now, I mean, it's now not that it will be like a bed of roses all through, but you're on your way to that top. That's what the anointing will do. And there were three kinds of people. I hurt myself a bit, but it's okay. Three types of people that were anointed in the Bible. Three categories of people. First were the priests. Aaron and his kids, anybody that will serve as a priest was anointed. Then we had the kings, and then we had the prophets. Those three were anointed to serve. The anointing of God in the Old Testament was not available to everybody. It wasn't available. The kings were anointed, the priests were anointed, and then the prophets were anointed. All these three anointings are now available inside Christ. All the three. The kingly anointing, the priestly anointing, and the prophet's anointing. Every child of God has them to a very strong measure, those three anointings, because they are now in Christ. We're going to see that before we end. And I'm saying all this to say the Bible needs to stop becoming just a book of stories, you know, and then it's a boring book, doesn't apply, you know, life doesn't, you know, just, you know, we're on social media checking the rich and famous. And wishing we were rich and famous like the rich and famous, you know, hoping someone was your uncle or your daddy. Maybe if he died and then you get, even if he, hadn't, he didn't die, you get something. But you're checking the wrong place. You're looking at the wrong book. On social media, if people get depressed. It just reminds you of what you don't have. But the Bible reminds you of what you have. You know, I was preaching somewhere, you know, and 
I, I said to them, what's the net worth of the richest guy on the earth right now? And I was on stage and I said, Google it. Maybe we should do that right now. Check, Google. Richest guy on earth right now, check. His net worth, as at this morning, net worth of the richest guy. The current, just, just check, anybody, check, let's know, let's see. Because all those things always make people depressed, but let's check it. 269.7 billion. 269.7 billion, who's, who's net worth? Elon Musk, 269 billion, right? That's rich. Oh, man. That's some, that's some hot chocolate money, man. 269 billion. Cool. No, hold on. 269.9 billion. 270. Let's round it up. Give the man some extra sugar. 270 billion. That's some cool dough. Let's check King Solomon. Network 2022. King Solomon. Let's check. No, please check. King Solomon's Network 2022. His wealth as at 2022. Did you find something? Did you find something? Anybody finding it? No, just waiting for more people to tell me they found it. No, no, it's good, it's good. Did you find it too? 2.1 trillion. Elon Musk is what? 2.6.9.7.9 billion. It's up and coming. Listen, all the people that get you depressed, they don't match the people in your lineage. So we go on social media to get depressed, and then we look at them, and then the people God gave wealth, we're not staring at them. You don't look at David's wealth. When God told David not to bother building the temple, David still dropped all the money that temple needed. How rich do you think that man was? From a little bitty boy with sheep to the greatest king of Israel. You know how rich Abraham was? In Job chapter 1, the Bible said Job was the greatest man in the east. Then he lost everything. And then God doubled it at the end. So if he was the greatest man in the East in chapter 1 and he got doubled by the end, how great then would he be at the end if he was the greatest in the beginning? And then we keep looking at the wrong people. You keep depressing yourself with the ones here, but the ones in your lineage, the Abrahams and Isaacs and these guys. Listen, Solomon's wealth, God told him. Remember, nobody would ever be as rich as you. And that's why I asked you to check. God told him, the one I'm giving, nobody can match it. And all the guy did was wake up and pray for wisdom. And God said, I'm going to make you rich. I will make you rich. It will stink all through your generation. That, that's where we're coming from. Come on, guys. And I wish this could be noise that brought because believers are now on social media trying to do things that people are doing, trying to live like them, trying to, trying to, you're like, you're, you're losing your sense. You're losing yourself. You're losing yourself. Oh, but they're rich. No, they're not. Their wealth doesn't compare to the one where you're coming from. 
So why don't you find out how the ones in your lineage became prosperous? In Genesis 26, there was famine in the land, and the Bible said nobody could find water. Isaac, how do you find water where there is no water? And each time they dug, they found water. Who does that in famine? There's famine. It was because something was on him making it work. Something was on him making it work. You know, people have this, you know, you can't prosper in a foreign land. You can't prosper. Joseph did. Daniel did. So you already have in your family catalog those who prospered in strange places. So why don't we look at those and then we check the news and then we check Google to tell us, oh, you can't. Oh, you, but, but I go back to the book that tells me I can and I will. So what's your source? What are you checking? What, where are you feeding? And faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Depression comes from everywhere else. Depression comes from everywhere else. You see your high school friends. You see someone somewhere. You see you're like, oh, see me, where me. Take your eyes off that book and look somewhere else. I hope that's helping somebody. Praise God. <laughs> so the Lord said to my Lord, what? Sit, sit at my right hand. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now that particular statement rings in a number of places in the Bible, like I said. So we'll jump to what? Hebrews chapter 1. And then we'll see the third verse. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. He said, Jesus is the brightness of God's glory, is the express image of God's person, and he's upholding all things by the word of his power, the last part of the world we're going, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So when Jesus was done with his priestly office, with his, I mean, with his sacrificial office, rather, he's not done with the priestly office, when he was done with the sacrificial office, he sat down. Where did he sit? On the right hand. Don't forget the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. But it's interesting that where Jesus is able to sit, angels cannot sit there. Verse 13, same Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 13. But to which of the angels did he say at any time, sit on my right hand to make your enemies your footstool? So he didn't say it to the angels, but he said to his own son. So that's where the son sits. And then there's where agents or angels or servants and the rest of them can sit. But Jesus is the son of God and he's seated at the right hand of God. He sits at God's right hand. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1. It says, now of the things which we have spoken, this is a summary. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven so jesus i'm just giving verses jesus is on the right hand jesus is on the right hand jesus is on the right hand not necessarily right hand side right hand not necessarily right hand side side but right hand right hand all through scripture talks about power talks about dominion all right so in isaiah for instance isaiah 41 god said i will deliver you with my right hand of righteousness so it's, it talks about power so jesus not naturally it might be, but usually Bible seems silent with the side part. It just says right hand. 
So if you go through Bible, all your place where you find right hand shall be strength, 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 strength. So Jesus is in God's place of strength. He's been enthroned. He's been given all dominion, all power, all authority. He's in God's right hand. So Hebrews chapter 10 and then verse 12. Hebrews 10, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, what did he do? Sat down on the right hand of God. He sat down on that right hand of God. Hebrews chapter 12 and 2. So there are quite a number of verses, but we'll pass on that one. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So when he went through the passion, you know, being beaten, you know, being stripped, being nailed, you know, all of that, and then he died, what empowered him and strengthened him to go through all of that was for the joy set before him, he was seeing something ahead of him. He saw the salvation of mankind. He saw us being restored. He, he saw that. So Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. He was being shamed. He, he, he endured it. He, he, he suffered it. And then now, all of that is over. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So everybody doesn't have an issue with Jesus sitting down. We don't, all right? Is he seated, right? Where? At the right hand, right? Jesus is sat down. But like I said some Sundays back, he didn't go back to that place alone. So Ephesians chapter 2 and then from the, we could just speak it from the first verse. It's good reading. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. And you has he quickened, to quicken them is to make alive. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins all of us were dead so we're past tense dead in trespasses and sins all right thank you wherein in time past we walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit and our works in the children of disobedience verse three among whom the people of disobedience right when we're with them among them we also had our behavior conversation means behavior in time past in the loss of the flesh let's do new king james and then get back to the beginning because conversation here actually is behavior. So let's see how New King James wants to put it. All right, good. It says, among whom also we conducted. So when you see conversation in King James, it's not to speak, it's behavior. So among whom also we conducted ourselves in the loss of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Verse 4. But God, I love this one. We, we're going to read this and then read it in the Amplified. All right. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, all right, even when we were dead in trespasses, what did he do? Made us alive together with who? Christ. By grace, you have been saved. All right. Verse 6 is beautiful. And raised us up together and made us sit together where so jesus is seated right but guess what he's not sitting alone someone here is sitting together with him oh this is beautiful this is the gospel this is the gospel so beautiful he's seated but he's not sitting alone someone right here is sitting with him Let, let's see from 
the Amplified, verse 4 from the Amplified. Oh, it's so beautiful. God's so rich in mercy. I love it. Watch this. But God, so rich is he in his mercy. I love this part. Because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loves us. Like God is so, like, so, like, so in love with us. And he wants to satisfy that love, all right? Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union together, together. When they resurrected, we're somewhere with him, in him. All right, made us alive together in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him. All right, for it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which we did not deserve that we are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Verse 6. And he raised us up, how? Together with him, and made us what? I love this, I love this. Made us sit down, how? Together, giving us what? Joint sitting. Woo! Joint sitting with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. When anybody acknowledges Jesus, acknowledges Jesus as Lord and Savior, confesses him as Lord and Savior, when that happens to anybody, something happens to you spiritually. You're, you're changed. You're transformed. And I'm going to run through a series on that the whole of next month so that we have a greater value for what happened I, i've seen it happen again and again you get born again you you but but nothing changes you you don't grow taller shorter darker lighter nothing happens to you physically a few times there have been testimonies of miracles and all that happening but usually not your mind is still the same the same songs you liked before you like them again nothing seems different and then the devil comes in and starts making people think see you're not born again I told you you're not born again. No. All right? And like I said, I'm going to run a series on that so we get it. Because the innermost part of you has received salvation. But Romans 12, 2 says you renew your mind. And then 1 Corinthians 9 says you put your body under. If you don't discipline the body, it would always want to do what it wants to do. If you don't redirect the mind, it would always want to do what it wants to do. But then inside you, you're saved. So you're now like, I'm saved on the inside. Like Paul was saying in Romans chapter 7. So there's a desire in me, but then there's something else I'm doing. And then they desire in me, and then there's something else I'm doing. And then like he said in Galatians, you know, the flesh and the spirit are always fighting themselves. You don't know what to do. So what do you do? We're going to run on that. So that it, it helps us. It, it helps us. Believers, Christians, children of God... Uh, we suffer depression like everybody else. But guess what? Inside everyone that is born again is joy. But then say, oh God, give me joy. No, it's there. How do you bring it out? We're going to talk about it. How do you bring it out? Sometimes you don't want to bring it out. But you bring it out because it's there. Galatians 5 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love. The next one, joy. So love is already there. Joy is already there. Peace is already there. They are all already there. 
but it might never function, never find expression if we don't allow it. So we're going to be gloomy, you know, moody, and, and life always gives you something to try to satisfy yourself with. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that we, we don't drink, you know, like alcohol and all, but then there are other things we do. You're depressed, you're sitting in front of the TV for like hours, or then you just keep going to the fridge or kitchen, you know, or you just get on the phone and talk to someone for a very long time. All right, it's because we, we don't drink alcohol, but we still have all those other areas where we channel those things to. Or just sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep and instead we get up, but you keep sleeping. You know, just don't wake up and everything is gone. But things don't always go that way. You wake up and they're still there. So how do we face them? And one of the stories I like in the Bible, David was just a classic man. He said, but he wasn't, you know, faultless. Everybody's growing, right? But as much as his flesh might have had a few issues, he tapped into something about God. Who will come back home and you find that your home is burnt and your family has been kidnapped? And that's what David experienced in 1 Samuel chapter 30. They had burnt all their homes, kidnapped his wives, and just kidnapped everybody they could get. The Bible said David and the men cried. First response for them. Cried until they couldn't cry anymore. It now got worse. They wanted to stone David. But the Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. That's a tough thing to do at a time like that. But that's always the game changer. That's what switches it. It clears your head so you can hear better from God. When you hear, you can move. That's a game changer. It's always a game changer. You know, this is what we do. We want the situation to go away, then we can be joyful. But God says, no, it's the reverse. You be joyful, and then the situation goes away. Did anybody get that? We want to get the new job. We want to get that, you know, phone call. We want to get, we want that thing to happen. Then we're joyful. God says it doesn't work that way. You be joyful. And then the thing goes away. You know, we'll come back here. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody learning something today? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because we, we need to see how the thing works. How the thing works. Thank you. Habakkuk 3.17 says, Though the fig tree doesn't what? Blossom. And there is no fruit on the vine. Though the product of the olive fails. And the field yield no food. Though the flock is cut off from the fold. And there is no cattle in the stall. This is like horrible stuff going on here. No harvest. No increase. No product. All right, and even the animals have been taken out. It says, yet. Could you look at someone beside you and say, yet? yet. Just, just maybe tell yourself, right? Yet, 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 yet. Yet, yet. What would he do now? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt the victorious God of my salvation. How are you going to rejoice? You just got bad news upon bad news. Say, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. Why? That's how you're going to turn the thing around. All right, that's how I'm going to turn the thing around. Thank you, Jesus. Look at the next verse. Why am I going to rejoice? The Lord God is my strength and my personal bravery and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress. 
upon my high places of trouble, suffering responsibility for the, I mean, okay, so that's just the one who is composing the whole thing and how they should work on it musically. So he's saying the, the Lord will lift me to high places. But things are bad. I'm going to rejoice. And this was what David did years ahead of this. David said, I'm going to encourage myself. All right, so many times we want things to change. We want, um, you know, just want someone to make you happy. You just want something to change. You, we're looking for something on the outside to just help us, which, yeah, sometimes they do. They can only go so far anyway. But then there's a joy from within us that can bubble out of us and say, I'm going to solve this thing with the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. All right? Joy of the Lord is my strength. It means you can laugh when you don't feel like laughing. Have you tried that before? It's good. You can dance when you don't feel like dancing. When there's no music playing, just dance. Just rejoice. Just rejoice. Just go, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Tears might be falling down your face, right? But then you're dancing. You say, how? Oh, it's by faith. It's by faith. And then you wake up and you're dancing. You wake up and you're dancing. Thing looks like this is crazy. We are going to dance. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to dance. If you have some good music you like, play them, dance. And say, Lord, I'm dancing because I'm dancing because I'm dancing because I'm dancing because I know that all things work together for my good. I'm dancing. I can't explain it. I can't explain it, but I'm dancing. I'm just going to dance. I'm going to dance. Praise God. So in, in that Ephesians, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. And that's sixth verse of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint sitting with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ. And anointed one. So Jesus is seated, but I'm seated together with him. So he's not the only one seated. We're seated together. We're seated together. Oh, thank you, Lord. Say, Jesus is seated. Now say, I'm seated with him. This is, it's, it's beautiful. One of the greatest prayers you could ever pray for yourself was one of the ones who were praying when, you know, my wife was leading prayer this morning. Lord, open my eyes to see what you've done. Because very many times we keep asking him to do what he has already done. Just open my eyes to see it. Just open my eyes, Lord. I know it's there. There are verses I've read like again and again, but I know I've not caught the revelation like I should. I'm like, Lord, open my eyes. There's more here. I just want to see it. There's more. I want to see it. There's more. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's see, let's see how powerful that sitting area is. Ephesians 1 from the 19th verse. Ephesians 1 from 19. It says, And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable... And, only, and this is, uh, we'll, we'll come back to this prayer. You know what? We're already there. That was, you know, let's pick it from the 17th verse. That's the prayer I was referring to right now. 17. It says, For I always pray to God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, watch this, of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. We need, this, this prayer is awesome. We need you know, that spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets, the things he's already done in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. Verse 18, please. 
So he's praying. He prays, all right, by having what? The eyes of our heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich. So you can know how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. He said about what you need to know. I mean, like we just talked about now, the wealth in, in, in the lineage of, of Abraham and all of that. So I, I want my eyes to open to see it some more. I mean, to see, to see it some more. I want my eyes to open to see it. So he's praying that our eyes will be flooded with light. Verse 19 now. This is one of the most powerful ones here. It says, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of whose power? His power, watch this, in and where? I think you need to read this verse here. Let's read it together. Want to go? And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of... Hold on. Whose power is it? God's power. So how did he describe the power? Immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing, and then it's great. Hold on. How many of you agree that that's how the power of God is? Nobody always has a problem with that part. We know he's great. Can God do anything? Yeah, sure he can. Anything. Anything he wants to do. But God being able to do anything doesn't, doesn't trill him. Please understand this. God is not trilled with the idea that he can do anything. It's obvious. God is trilled when we know how much that power is available to us. See the verse. We're going to look at it. So that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power. Where is he hiding the power? In and for us who believe. So that great immeasurable power is hiding inside someone sitting down here. So we keep singing, oh, you can do everything. God said, yeah, you too. It doesn't, it's not trilled. You know, there's this song, you know, demons tremble at your presence, what a mighty God you are. That doesn't trill God. Forgive me, but it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You know? In fact, in fact, James said something that sounded like that. James, James said, the fact that demons tremble in front of God is not, is, is, is faith that works. Yeah, because they are trembling, but nothing's... James chapter what? Is it verse 2? Let, let's finish this one. Let's finish this one. Let's finish this one. Let's finish this one. Watch this. Imagine power, the power, okay, in you who believe as demonstrated where? In the working of it. So when he rose... Okay, no, I'm, I'm already saying the next verse. Next verse. As demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, next verse is 20, which he exerted in Christ when he what? Raise him so when God raised Christ from the dead, he exerted that immeasurable and limited great power, right? All right, raise him from the dead and seated him at his where? Own right hand, where? In heavenly places. 21 is where we're going, far above. So Jesus is seated where? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age, but in the world to come, but also in the age and the world, okay, which is to come, and has put all things under whose feet? 
Jesus. So Jesus is higher than principality and power, yeah? But who is seated here together with him? So that means you are also seated higher than principality and power. And every name that can be named. No, that, that's where, so him sitting there is not a big deal to him. The big deal is you are seated there with him. That's what excites him. When, when we walk in the revelation of, I'm seated together with you. I'm seated together with you. Listen, this will affect our songs. It will affect, it affects everything. You know? So I'm seated with him. So put all things under his feet and appointed him, you know, <laughs> appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercise throughout the church, all right, verse, all right, which the church is his body. Watch this. The church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives what? The full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything and everywhere with himself. In the body, his ability and capacity is residing. And then we suffer what everybody on the street suffers. We go through what they go through. Our minds are affected like them. Now we're in the same world, so we're going to be attacked by all these things. But then there's something we can fall back to and say, there's a different kind of revelation. He's seated, and then I'm seated together with him. So it means where I... If I'm seated together with him, it means that I'm already in a place of position. I'm in a place of victory and I should deal with everything from there. You know, um, that, that um, arise, take your place song, uh -huh, you know. So, so, so okay, um, okay, let me say it like they don't know because they're, all right. So, you know, so sometimes we sing, um, yeah, come and take your place, oh Lord. You know, we keep singing, come and take your place, come and take your place. That's what he's singing to us. Because the issue is not him taking his place. He's already in his own place. He's seated. The issue is you're not in your place. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1. You, you see it. You see yourself. The issue is not him. Oh God, take your place. Oh, take your No, he's in his place. Now, I understand the context. Sometimes they will take your place in this situation. It's not because he's about to take a place. Now that you are beginning to allow him to have his place there that you didn't allow him. So it's still us, not him. Colossians 3.1. Um, something simpler. Do I need message very soon? But let's do what? New King James? All right. Okay, fine, fine. This is fine. Good. Since you have been what? Raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the right hand no let's let's do King James let's do King James puts that sitting together there but this is fine I like this to explain something else there watch this all right if you then be what risen together with Christ seek the things that are where so if I'm raised together with him and of course Ephesians says I'm raised together I'm seated together right so if I'm risen together with him seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God verse 2 verse 2 set your affection where on things above not on things so because I'm seated together with him I've been raised up together then I'm together with him seated raised it means I should see things from that perspective this is what I mean um, could you come?
please. Um, who's taller? I am. You? Yeah, I think I am. Yeah. Am I? A little bit. A little bit. That little bit is very important. <laughs> All right. It helps the illustration. All right. Hope you don't mind. Now stand on this. Stand on it? Yep. Stand on the chair. No, you're good. You're good. Now who's taller? You know. <laughs> so imagine if this way is real height. Who will be afraid of who? I'll be afraid, right? Then imagine if you could go taller and taller and taller. So how are you going to look on me? Down, right? So come down again. So let's assume you're shorter. So try to go shorter a little bit. Good. So this usually is how the mountain is to us, right? It's bigger. The challenge, the situation is bigger because you're looking at it from your own self. But when you go into Christ, come up again. So you're in heavenly places far above. So the things that were scaring you, you're higher than them. So your perspective is different. You're not looking up at the mountain. You're looking down at it. So the more we take our own place, it affects how we see the problem. So the doctor says it's cancer, stage four cancer. If it's me on the floor, that's death sentence. If it's me in Christ, that's a completely different picture. Because here, I'm seated above every name. Cancer is a name. Here, do you understand that? Because those names are hanging around somewhere. People are hearing those names every day. Diabetes, it's gone too far. We need to amputate some part of your body. It's gone far. You know, we, we need all of, all of that. It's traveled far. But because I'm in Christ, my perspective is different. My vision is different. What I feared before, I don't fear anymore. And that happened to the men of Israel. When they saw Goliath, they ran. But when David faced Goliath, David wasn't seeing himself and Goliath was seeing the covenant of God. And Goliath said, this guy is small. I'm going to cut your head. He wasn't speaking as David, the little boy, who was speaking as someone that has a covenant. That, that difference is there. All right, you see this in the message transition. So we could just do MSG and pick it from the first verse or go into the third verse. You, you could still chill, right? No. Yeah, you're good. All right, watch this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, what's he saying? Act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ resides. Don't shuffle. This is the good part. Don't, well, one of the good parts. Don't shuffle along eyes where? To the ground. Absorb with the things right in front of you. What should you do? Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. Last line. See things from. So if you don't change your sitting consciousness if you don't you know become conscious of where you are your perspective will be affected the higher you stand the lower that thing looks the thing looks big but now you're in a different so it's not oh god take your place god is saying you take your place you know so usually you know i don't try to sing oh um Come and take your place. I'm like, no, it's not him taking his place. It's me. And that's why Paul prayed the prayer, open my eyes. When I see my authority and I see my power, and I see, the more I see it, the less I'm afraid. 
And the doctor says, oh, because you know your age and all of that, you might have a slight memory loss. And then you, you agree with it. Because it's what you see everywhere. And then you turn on the TV. And then they want to sell those pills. And then they tell you other things that should go wrong with your body. But 2 Corinthians 4 says, though the outward man may perish, the inward man is renewed. So my mind is part of my inward man, so I'm not supposed to have a memory loss. I can tap into that and say, no, I don't want memory loss. I don't want a memory loss. You say, oh, no, you know, but when then, you know, when you get close to 70, some things that's going on wrong with you, no. Should it, why should it go wrong with me? He said, but that's how it is. No, that's not how God said it. Is what the Bible says, 70 and 80 are the years of man. No, it, that happened in the wilderness. God said this generation will not enter the promised land, so they're doing 70 and 80. It wasn't God's will. Psalm 90. You're good? Yeah, I'm, I'm... So it says here, see things from his perspective. You can change it now. You have to see things from, and the only perspective, the only way to get that perspective is to go to the word. Psalm 90, what verse? We'll just quickly read it from verse 1, but stay with the Amplified. Let's Amplified with, um, well, the note is actually at the end of the Amplified, if we're using the core Amplified itself. All right, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, our refuge in all our generations past, says Moses. All right, before the mountains were formed, over the earth, um, formed or you formed, you know, given birth to everything in the world, even the everlasting, the everlasting you are God. It's a song, actually. Well, it's been made into a song. You turned man back to dust and corruption, you know, sons of earth. Um, verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight, uh, you know, yesterday when it's passed, as, you know, watching the night. Verse 5. You carry away these disobedient people. So it's talking about those people. You carry away these disobedient people doomed to die within what? 40 years. So it's talking to people that were in the wilderness as with a flood. They are as sheep, vague and forgotten. As soon as they are gone in the morning, they are like, you know, grass that grows up. In the morning, it flourishes in the spring, in the evening. And people now read this to us as if this is the will of God for us. No, it's talking to people. All right? For we, the Israelites in the wilderness, are what? Consumed by your anger and by your wrath. Are we troubled, overwhelmed, and what? Frightened away. Our iniquities, our secret hearts, and its sins, which we would so like to conceal even from ourselves, you have set you know, in the revealing light of your countenance for all our days. Out here in this wilderness, says Moses, pass away in your wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told, for we adults know we are doomed to die when soon. God said they will not. And he puts the verse there so you see it. Numbers 14, he puts it there so you go and read that God said this generation will enter the promised land. So they kept wondering till the last man of that generation died. Except for Caleb and Joshua. Let's go on, please. The days of our years are three score and ten, seventy, or even if by reason of strength we become eighty. Yet is their pride in addition of years only labor. So, I mean, so it's not God. This is not so people read it and say, Well, God already said 70, 80. So if you do 70, you've tried 80 past mark. God didn't say so. It was an effect of a, a, a you know disobedience, and that's what's happening to them. That's all. Now, if someone says, oh, I'm done at 65 and I'm gone, I mean, live a productive life. And when you're done, yeah, please check out. Okay, you can come down now. Thank you. But did this illustration help anybody? Set, set thank you. Let's, let's get it back. Thanks. 
So you could just set, set your affection, I mean your attention high. And the only way to do that is to go to the word. But let me say this. Even when we say go to the word, you could go to the Bible and not see it the way we're painting it right now. You might not see it. You could go to the Bible and say, you know, we're all just suffering. You know, things are just so bad. No. He's in his place and he's elevated you. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. God has angels. It means someone sitting here has authority over angels. It means no evil befalls you. No, no plague will come near you. It means if, if anything has to happen, it will happen just so you're blessed. You're heirs of God. Join heirs with Jesus. If, if we don't see ourselves in this picture, we just see it like Bible story. It's not, it's not the Bible story. Two verses and then we'll, we'll be done. Revelations. Whew, three quick verses. Revelations chapter 1. We could speak to New King James. Or, yeah, New King James. Revelations chapter 1 verse 5. Revelations 1 5. All right. Thank you. And from Jesus Christ, a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to whom to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Verse 6. And has made us what? Kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. I am a king, and then I'm a priest. Kings have authority and dominion. Kings reign and they rule with the words of their mouth. And he said he made us kings. Ecclesiastes says that where the word of a king is, there's power. So it means the way to function. So if you're a king and a priest, all I'm going to end with this morning is take your place. What do kings do? They reign with words. What do priests do? They stand in that place of intercession and prayer. So it means you pray. So a believer should pray like a priest, speak like a king. Do you understand that? You pray like a priest, you speak like a king. You pray as one who's anointed to stand in that place of intercession. Pray. Maybe you're praying for London and terror. You're praying for things. You're praying. You, you stand in that place. You pray like a priest, but then you speak like a king. Kings don't, kings don't wonder, would he be, would he not be? They give decrees. All right? They say it will be done, it will be done. And then the issue with kings is when they now say it, even if they, they can't easily change their minds back. Remember when the young girl asked for, Herodias' daughter asked for uh, John the Baptist's head. Herod didn't want to do it, but he had already opened his mouth to say, whatever you ask for to the half of my kingdom, like they like to brag. How do I change it back? I'm the king. Kings rule with the words of their mouth. If you remember the decree that was made when Esther, you know, in the book of Esther, that on a certain day, you know, you could kill every Jew. The king said, I can't take it back. But I can make another one. And say, every Jew has a right now to defend themselves on that day. He's a king. They rule with words. They rule with words. So you are king in your domain, your dominion, over your health, over your finances, over things. Listen, Bible didn't say in Philippians 4, 
19 that our salaries will supply our needs he didn't, he didn't say the government supply our needs he didn't say no he said my god will supply so many times when you look at the supply unconsciously you look at that you look at that time of the month when it's going to come you look at the credit opportunities we have and all of that but don't let that blind you from it's my god i supply my god supplies all of my need my god supplies all of my need if not we're limited you're limited to the salary you're limited to the credit opportunity you're limited to whatever it is you can get but god is not limited and he says he will supply so we go back to the word again so you can speak to your needs and say in the name of jesus i call you matt in the name of jesus i call you matt someone say how are you going to do that i don't know kings you know a king speaks and doesn't even know doesn't know how he's going to happen <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't Herod that went to cut off John the Baptist's head. All he had to do was say it. Come on, wake up tomorrow morning and say something. Go to bed tonight saying something. You're the king. Oh God, I want you to take your place. No, you take your place. You're the king. Pray like a priest. Speak like a king. You have authority. You have authority. Revelation 10, 10 and verse 5. And then one more we're done. We'll just we'll end with the ones we know. 10, 5, 8, 8 and 5. Nah, not my 10 and not my 8. Okay, hold on. It's around me somewhere there, alright? I'll just find it here properly. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. It's supposed to be my 10 and 5, right? Hmm. Let's go to 10 and 5 and see. 10, 5, da-da-da, 10, 8, da-da-da. Just check. Let me check. I'm going. <laughs> nope. Yep. Hallelujah. Yeah, kings. Kings, kings. Where's my verse? Five and ten. I reversed it. 5 and 10. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. 5 and 10. And, all right, have what? Made us again kings and priests to our God. And we are going to do what now? Reign. So kings reign. They decree. They speak. They take authority. So we'll end with a popular one. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. I'm sure you've learned it. Maybe you've sang it somewhere before. But you know it. First Peter 2 9. But you might be a chosen generation. No, right? You are. Say, I am. I am. Chosen generation. A royal priesthood. That one phrase there, it's a combo. All right? Maybe get, you get a combo from McDonald's or something. Royal priesthood. Royal priesthood is actually hiding two words. Kings and priests royal priesthood 
priests with royal blood. So it's actually kings and priests. That's what it's still saying there. You have royal priesthood. So you're both priests and king, king and priests, all right? You're a holy nation, a special people that you may proclaim the praise of him. Let's see NLT. Some say he's made us a kingdom of priests and kings. All right, thank you. Good. So, but you are not like that. You are God's chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests. God's holy nation, his very special possession, like a show for praise of him. So he's saying a kingdom of priests. So the, the, the kingdom is made up of priests. So priests that understand the authority to rule. Take your place. Take your place. Don't, 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 watch, don't watch that situation go bad. Don't, don't watch the thing just go down. Take your place. Take your place. If you don't know what to do at all, speak. That's what kings do. They don't figure out everything. They just say it. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar said, I want someone to interpret my dream. If you don't, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Because that's what they do. They just say something. They just say, if you don't interpret the dream, you're dead. And they will die. How did they try to get Daniel into the lion's den? They made the king say something to put a decree in motion. Anybody who doesn't do this X, Y, Z for the next 30 days, I pray in the lion's Oh, sounds good. I, 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 I do it. And then he's a king. He said it. How's it going to happen? doesn't know. We are usually trying to figure everything out. How's your 2022 going to end? I know I have a desire. So what does what God wants to do? Be the king. Say it. I enjoy favor every single day. Even if it, just, it starts looking like a bad day, I enjoy favor every single day. All things work together for my good. I'm up and not down. I'm above, I'm not beneath. I'm blessed, coming in and going out. Everything works fine for me. Why are you saying that? Because the Bible said so. How's it gonna happen? I don't know every detail. My job is to say it. Psalm 91 said, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. And I like... There's something about the personal revelation of God. If you read the Psalms, David will say, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is. He was always personalizing him and putting, he was always putting him in the present tense. He always said something. You to say something. The Lord is my shepherd. He always said something. The Lord is my shield and my buckler. He was always saying it. We want to figure it out before we say it. Figuring it out, you're going to have the paralysis of analysis. Have you ever tried analyzing something and then just shut you down? Because you couldn't figure it out. It's called the paralysis of analysis. You're trying to think and think and think and think. How's it going to work? I don't know. But one thing I can do, say something. I'm not ending up like this. My life is getting better and better. My path is a shining light. It shines brighter and brighter onto a perfect... How do you know? Because the word said so. And guess what? The same way when kings speak and servants run around, once you speak, the angels of God are running around getting something done. So I don't have to figure it out. They'll figure it out. But my job is to say, it's not going to end like this. My path is a shining light and I'm going to get better. Amen. Praise God. Did I help somebody? All right. Father, thank you. We give you praise for your word. Thank you for your great love. Thank you because you've 
lifted us. You've made us seated. You've enthroned us together with Christ Jesus. You've made us kings. You've made us priests. You've given us authority and dominion. Thank you because you show these things to us more and more so that we may walk in all that you have prepared for us. Thank you for everyone here, everyone who listens to this teaching later because there will be great and mighty revelation, great and mighty illumination in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.